time, once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. They say she rode across the land, joined by one of the world's protectors for a time. But the place where she was imprisoned followed. Precious daughter, you have secrets now. Who could keep the secret from you, Mother dear? You found your way to the world below. You're trespassing, friend. Oh! <laughs> Look how obedient you are. So eager to serve. You will make a very fine captain for my army. I am so, so sorry. It was not my will. She made me. Please, let me be your refuge. Not for the sacrifice you asked. Come back and I will be forgiven. I need you. You did well. There is no place for neutrals in the Queen's design. Ask her to let me. I mean harm to no one. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Uh, episode 190. And <laughs> I know, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. To think that we've been talking that long for, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we have a guest. Yes, we do. This is a guest who um, we've, we've been wanting to get on for a long time. And every time that I talk to him, uh, it was always the wrong time. Because we had just talked to a puppet person. Like, uh, like I think the first time that I was like, oh, you need to come on the show, we just talked to Scott Land. Yeah. Oh, you need to come on the show, we just talked to Kevin McTurk. Well, God damn it, this is the right time. And this is <laughs> Sam Koji Hale's time. So welcome, Sam Koji Hey, guys. Hey. Great to be here. Thanks for doing this, man. You hey, are, thanks for inviting me. You are a director, a sculptor, an illustrator, a designer. Is there an, anything you don't do? You, do you do craft services? As you, know, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I do like to cook. I I do. Um, when I lived in Japan, I learned how to make uh, traditional Japanese gyoza, the pot stickers. So go. that that is something I like to make. There we go. Um, yeah, and I saw this thing um, a, a Miyazaki special, and you know that he would he'd make ramen for his crew sometimes. So. I think we did that once to like we whipped up ramen or or, or fried noodles or something fun. Um, yeah, there's stuff I don't do. I, I'm not a color. Uh, I'm not a colorist, so I don't do the color correction stuff, and I'm do not you, a musician, so I don't do the sound stuff. And <laughs> do you do you do the compositing? I I know that you and I have, yeah. have spoken recently about something that you had wanted to do, um, and uh, and you were looking for people. Um, do you are you an After Effects guy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm an After Effects guy. I when I came to LA, there were two areas that I really kind of got heavily involved in when I first got here, and one was 
on the on the puppet practical side, on the fabrication side, and then on the digital side. It kind of became the the digital post side was my bread and butter for a while. So I was doing After Effects. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So and that comes in handy, you know, like even like pre-visiting stuff. You know, I can I can sketch up things, scan it in, and then you know time it out and you know create whatever it is you know that I'm trying to you know share with another group or with a team and or pitch to, you know, try to sell a show or whatever it might be. So it's good having, you know, a good number of skills like you, that. Yeah, you need to have that in your pocket. For for listeners who don't know what that means, uh, pre-vis, pre-visuals, uh, pre-visualization, I, I don't know why I'm having trouble with that word, uh, <laughs> but um, it, it, it has kind of taken the place of storyboards. At one time... You, you made this basically comic book layout of what you were going to do and some people still do but now uh, and correct me if I'm wrong Sam more often than not you do like a little uh, kind of sort of animation of what of what the scene's supposed to look like yeah yeah so I mean it's it's kind of like one more thing you you bring in when you do the pitch you like you know here's the pitch here are character designs. You know, here's here's the idea, and here let me pop this video in and show you uh, kind of an idea of what we're talking about, and and it, and it seems like that's becoming more common. I was just on a shoot yesterday that was for a you know an animation um, one of the one of the the greats of animation, and he's putting together a pitch, and it was shooting you know shooting the whole thing with puppets and and you know packaging it to be part of the cell, you know, and uh, I think it's just. The more that the that the development people or the money people see, the easier it is to to imagine what they're getting. You know, you you're using like rough polygons, right, within the computer, just saying like this repre- this vaguely human thing is representing this person, or or is it more refined than that? Uh, well, for me, because I work in puppets, I I you know I sculpt up the puppet and then I shoot it, and then I com- and then I comp that in to a, a rough background. So, you know, I'm already kind of getting you to that point where you see the character. Oh, wow. That probably appears. Yeah. I, I remember <laughs> seeing the previous stuff on, uh, I did an article for Fango on Skyline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't talk about Skyline. But, <laughs> um, uh, uh, there was a lot of that stuff. A lot of it really roughed up. Like, Well, what, what, what some people do is they, they do the traditional storyboard thing. Mm-hmm. But then they, so so you have kind of you know kind of completed drawings, but you know then they're applying you know they're they're cutting it up into different layers and they're moving the camera through like the old um, yeah. Spider-Man cartoons and the remember yeah. what the 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 cutout or the drawing yes slides yeah, across the yes, screen exactly. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So that's see, very cool yeah. that you see that a lot because the more that you can convince your the people you're pitching to, like, give them, the more you can let them in on what you're seeing, the better. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because, again, it's in my skill sets doing puppets, and, and that's ultimately what I want want to make as a show, if I'm pitching a show, is to do a show with puppets anyway. And and that there's that extra, that extra hurdle of getting over trying to sell puppets as puppets anyway. You know, it's like, I want to do a thing with puppets, and the first thing I think that pops into their head will be, Oh, it's Muppet style thing, you know. 
Right. So then you've got to show them, no, it's not Muppets. It's this completely different thing, you know. Well, right. I have to say, um, when we when we did the show with Kevin McTurk, I, when you, you, you had said, yeah, this guy does puppets, I was like, okay, great. I'm think, and I kind of was the, the guilty of what you're just saying there, Sam. Where, but when I saw uh-huh. it, it was like, oh wait, this is a, this is completely different yeah. than what I had imagined, and that you know, and, and Yabba Song is as well. So yeah, yeah, you know, both Kevin and I are, you know, we're trying to to push. You know, push what, uh, push beyond, you know, way beyond the expectations of what people think when they see it. You know, when and then we start start seeing puppets like, you know, in these, you know, gothic, dark, uh, you know, hammer style films like Kevin does, or or mine where you got puppets, you know, jumping around and fighting and stuff. People are going to be like, what the hell? I didn't know puppets could do this. You know, right. exactly. You know, we're trying to blow people's minds in, in a good way. Absolutely. You know. Um I first became aware of you through that symposium. Uh, oh, and, nice! And, and I don't, and yeah. I, I don't remember when that was, but it, it's been that was 2014. It was at Brooklyn Academy of Music. Okay, and there was, yeah. and it was, um, um, it was you, and it was Kevin, and it was, mm-hmm. I, I, gosh dang it, I can't remember who all now. And but, Genevieve Anderson and Toby Froud and yes. Heather was our moderator. Heather Henson was the moderator. Yes, and and and, and essentially, I would say that this. Mm, I, I'm going to use this word. I don't know if it's correct or not, but this movement, this current movement, um, uh-huh. kind of grew out of Heather Henson's um, project uh, or yeah, series handmade puppet dreams. Yeah, well, puppet that's. Dreams. Yeah, that's what I I'd like to think that you know um, we've been we've been trying. I mean, Heather's Heather's been doing handmade puppet dreams for a number of years, and and basically it was her goal was to help and still is to help individual artists with a particular vision to tell a story and it be their story and not somebody else's story with a mandate that has to be commercial, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we've just been building this body of work over the years. I think we're we're shooting this year. We're shooting three short films, so I think when we're done by the end of the year, we'll be, that'll be our twenty-first short film for Handmade Puppet Dreams. Wow! Nice. And yeah, and each one's a different filmmaker, so everyone kind of gets one shot to to do their thing and and to. Uh, Heather always always says, you know, to what is their dream? Why is they want? It? Why do they want to make a film? You know, what what is? How does this help them fulfill their whatever that dream is? So. Um, you know, I came out of that. And Kevin came out of that. Toby Froud. You know, Toby, of course, comes with a little bit of history anyway, being Brian and Wendy Froud's son and the baby in Labyrinth. But you know, Toby also made a film with us, and um, and now he's working on Dark Crystal. So yeah. you know, it's it's great to see these these uh, the you know the baby baby steps, but this this growth that's happening with with puppet films. Absolutely, it's it, I almost see a correlation between. Puppet films and stop motion films, as far as like, they kind of went away, and now, you know, over the last I don't know decade or, or maybe I'm old, so maybe it's two decades. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, this resurgence um, and this interest, you know, we we talking on the st- uh, the stop motion side, you know, we recently had Wes Anderson's um, Isle of Dogs. Oh yeah, and yeah yeah. And how 
I really love how um, closely these worlds are related, even though the filming process is different, but mm-hmm. you're still making a puppet one way yeah. or the other. Yep. And um, and there is overlap, you know. Since I've lived in L.A., which it's been like over 15 years now, I, I you know, I, I hop back and forth between live puppet projects and stop-motion projects and mixed-media animation projects, etc. Uh, you know, there uh, there's a good good number of people who are kind of doing a little bit of of everything, and I think the difference is like stop motion. When you build your puppet, you got to build it so it doesn't move at all, unless the animator really wants it to move. The and live puppets, you want to be loosey goosey and floppy, and and so that the the puppeteer can get it to move where they want it to move. So there, it, I think it's like two sides of of the same coin, really. And, sure. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, I think your your average muggle will never, will, won't even know the difference. They'll they'll look at it and go, I guess you know. I <laughs> like <laughs> I think it's like Kubo. You know, this Yama song I think is is basically a Kubo thing. Um, <laughs> well, you know, or or you know, we we screened uh, Yama song in Bristol, England, England last year, end of last year, and um, Bristol is home of Ardman Animation, and so some of the the bigwigs from Ardman actually attended the screening and. And I got to talk to David Sproxton, who was one of the founders of Ardman, wow. and he goes, "Don't worry about, don't worry about trying to explain to people the technique. The people who love it will get into the technique. Most other people will think it's just CGI because people <laughs> still think that Ardman is CGI." Yeah, it's yeah, it's <laughs> I just I, I marvel at in both instances the attention to detail, where with actors you can. Their hair flows. It just mm-hmm. as yeah, they yeah. move, it's just what happens. Um, but you guys are moving every little bit of it. If you want that hair to move, you got to move yeah. it. And I think that level of obsession sort of appeals to me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everything has you know. You look at the puppets and the, the costuming has all this detail, and the the armor has all this detail, and the, the skin on the characters, and and you know there's the fur that the characters are wearing or the set pieces it's it's uh yeah it's it's a lot of artists putting their heart into each of those little details to to give it that that uh that weight or that reality you know that that uh, is a lot harder i think with cgi to get to be that believable you know I, well, it certainly takes longer. <laughs> yes, and more people, and more people. You wind up with an army. That was the greatest people. thing to to do. It's like uh, the ending, of, like the ending that they do it like uh, with uh, like box trolls. It's like, no, this is how we did this, and you see all these yeah, exactly. people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. racing yeah, around. Absolutely, so smart. So I'm curious, as a like as a kid, were, were you were you the puppet guy? Like Scott Land was no. like, I was always on pu- always on puppets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you know it's it it's it's the, just the direction I ended up going. You know, um, I was in art school uh, um, working on my MFA, and I was actually working as a on a book illustration project, and I just felt like fourteen illustrations for my thesis project wasn't enough. I I want to tell more of the story. How can I do it? And I was brainstorming with one of my mentors, and he goes, "How about puppets?" And I was like. Uh, yeah, I guess so, you know, and I, I looked up, the you know, puppet people in San Francisco. I went to the Academy of Art in San Francisco and um, came across the San Francisco Bay Area Puppeteers Guild. I was like, there's a guild for puppeteers? So I went to the first meeting, and Dave Goles was there with Gonzo the Great, 
and he, oh. you know, performed Gonzo for everybody, and, and and there are people in the audience with their own homemade puppets and things, and I'm like, that was my first impression of the puppet community, puppet guild meetings, and they're both wrong. In the in the long term, I realized that, you know, most puppeteers don't bring their puppets to shows, but there are a few of the 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 extreme ones who are like, well, Gonzo's going to be here. Bobo, my monkey, has to meet Gonzo. <laughs> It reminds me of remember um, Ron Hull. It was Ron Hull and Ron Hull, Ron Hull and Emu. He was a oh flash in the Emu. pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a guy that did the gag of I'm carrying an Emu with a fake arm while my real arm is in the <laughs> right, right, right. And there's footage. Oh yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, you can go yeah. on YouTube and there's there's great footage yeah. of this he thing. Like, he was like he a attacked, talk show yeah, regular. He attacks yeah. Johnny Carson. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, okay, yeah, but yeah, I, it's that kind of thing. I think it was those kinds of you know puppeteers that had their own character and, and had invested so much in that character that the chance for them to either A, introduce themselves as the human with his puppet to Dave Goals and his puppet, or B, introduce Bobo to Gonzo, you know, one way or the other, you know, the, it was it was an opportunity they couldn't miss, you know, right. and they had to bring their puppet too. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Uh, but it was great, and then and I realized soon after that you know Dave Goals wasn't at all these meetings, and it wasn't Muppet people that were coming to all the meetings. It was oftentimes more local puppeteers who did library shows, and uh, you know, but they there were people who were taught workshops and shared their craft. And um, if there's any part of society where that kind of uh, what do you call it, um, uh, not mentoring, but uh, what is it like in medieval times when you. You apprentice, apprentice, apprentice yeah, like yeah. An, almost like an informal apprentice kind of situation where you learned the craft, got to know the people in the community, and then you were able to you know get jobs and stuff because you were building a reputation within that community. That's that's what I discovered the, mm. the puppet community is like. And then each major city has its own pockets of puppeteers, and that's what coming to L.A. I realized there's a whole L.A. guild and. You know, Atlanta has its whole group, and New York has its whole group, and Portland, and and so on and so forth. Um, wow. You've you. So now when I travel, I, I I couch surf on on puppeteers' couches. It's, it saves it's like on hotels. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's yeah. like secret world. It's like being a yes, a, a, you know, a punk rock band, and you go from town to town, and you yeah, you yeah. wind up crashing on this guy's couch. Uh, yeah. Sidebar yep. the Ron whole thing. Um. One of the Hudson brothers uh, was on a podcast I was listening to, and he said they fired him when they wa- were walking down the hallway, and they heard him yelling at someone. And when they looked inside, <laughs> he was yelling at the bird. Like, <laughs> oh, and then oh, here, man. yeah, I know, right? They're like, we gotta let this guy oh, go. Well, man, maybe, maybe that's why we don't hear about him today. <laughs> I worked with a DP years ago, and I walked in on him, and he had the puppet puppets kissing each other. Oh, and I turned around and left the room, and I thought. <laughs> I don't know if I want to work with this guy. I don't work with him anymore. It wasn't because of that, but it was a it was a moment. You know, you do the yeah, you do the Grandpa Simpson coming through the door and then leaving. Let me ask you a question: Um, As a puppeteer, as a fabricator, as a filmmaker, as as a storyteller, did you identify at all with the John Cusack character in being John Malkovich? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking of that when we were when we were talking about uh, yeah the, the, the. the, the pub guild meeting. Um, that's that's what I think is kind of the classic puppeteer moment. You know, you're in the you're in the bar and 
and the, the, the lady says, what do you do? I'm a puppeteer. Heck, please. Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> that's the moment that I think sticks out in my mind for John Malkovich, you know. Yeah, better, um, better John Cusack than Anthony Hopkins, right? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Hilarious. You know, it's it's a great community of artists, and I think it's a, a misunderstood community by and large. But uh, as well, I think any small community of people are, it's well, from what I can they're, tell, they're, from they're obsessed and in love with a particular art form. And I'm I'm one of those people, you know that. And and um, me personally, I, I think it's the kind of thing. It's a uh, um, misjudged and unsung kind of art form yeah. that. This Only every once in a while comes back up, you know, bubbles back up until like, oh, puppets, what's that about? There's a subtlety to it that I really appreciate. Well, what what I adore yeah. a, a, about the puppet world is that um, it encompasses so many other things. Um, acting and performance, fabrication, yes. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. usually because of, you know, uh, except for the cases where you're building big giant puppets, um, miniatures. Um, mm-hmm. There's a DIY aspect to um, the puppet world that I'm in love with, and I love that with the with the dawning of the new millennium, um, there you know there was this kind of I don't know I don't know how to describe it. There's you know you've got the steampunk people, you've got the DIY people, you've got the there's there's kind of all these different communities that are all about hey man. You don't gotta wait for Hollywood. You don't gotta wait for like just fucking yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. You know, just do mm-hmm. your shit. And and uh, and I I love that. I adore that. And uh, you know, things like um, crowdfunding and things like that give you the opportunity to like, hey, this is the idea I've always had. I'm not gonna get some producer to listen to me. So I'm just gonna make it. You know, and yeah. and if yeah. It, can you speak to that for a second? Because I know some of what you've done has has been in that world. Yeah, I yeah I, I agree. I think that um, well, I think you know what we're we're going through is this period where at least some of us are are um, either redacting or rebelling against that that, that clean uh, sanitary computer kind of um, lens that we're seeing the world through. You know that digital world. I mean, we're obviously all still working in digital because when you finish a film, you're not finishing it as film anymore. You're finishing it digitally. But that, you know, that sitting in front of a computer with a mouse and a keyboard or a stylus or a Wacom tablet where everything is perfect and pristine and precise. And I think all of us, the steampunk people, the, the stop motion people, the, the, the live puppet people, the fine artists out there are really getting more into like, you know, the grungy and the visceral and the, you know, making it by hand aspect, the, and the 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 real practical. You know, using your hands and your tools to make something, and then um, I think that's all kind of a rebellion against kind of the the rise of digital in the '90s. Because you know, through the '90s is when your 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 creature shops and your your practical effects studios all started closing and losing jobs to to all the big, you know, to the to the CGI houses and. Uh, there's still, you know, I came to LA kind of at the tail end of that in the early 2000s, and I, I met, I met so much, I've met so many people who had so much resentment about it, you know, so much anger, so much resentment, so much, uh, you know, that kind of wishing for the day when, when you got, you know, you built an animatronic puppet and you, 
you uh, you know you made it move with your hands. And so you know when I got to LA, I was working at uh, you know I started at Kyoto Brothers, and I was there for about five years, and and uh, learned so much about the the art of making stop motion puppets and the art of making live puppets and the art of of doing stuff with your hands and then and then on top of that finishing it off with with a computer you know finishing it off with the digital but uh i yeah you're absolutely right i think now we, we've got more tools at our hands at our disposal and resources like through crowdfunding to be able to create something that that we have in our head that we won't be able to sell to a big studio you know because the studios are maybe now with netflix and amazon and a few of those that there's a little more opportunity but by and large, I think early 2000s, I remember talking to a manager at one of the big agencies and him saying, we're just interested in reboots and remakes. We don't, we don't want to take any chances on making something new and original and different. We want reboots and remakes so that people know what they're getting when they, go to, when they sit their butts in the theater. Right. Wow. But if the truth is, is there's so many, you know, so many communities out there that, that are hungry for other stuff. So right. it's great. It's great to be able to make something new and, and refreshing and different and, and then getting it to those people. I'm curious about the... Follow me on this one. The, the Inherently, when as soon as you're talking puppets, they're, you're, you're restricted, right, by what you, you can do. Um, yeah. you're, not, you, you, you're not getting the big car chases and you're not getting the big... Martial well, arts scenes or whatever. Maybe, maybe you are, but my point, is, my my question lies in the do the, are those restrict restrictions um, a boon or a bane when it comes to storytelling? You know, I don't. I you know maybe it's because I've been working in this world for so long that I just think of it in in certain terms. Um, but I. Right now, one of the short films we're working on is with a, a filmmaker who doesn't work with puppets generally. So I found that there's there's a certain aspect of saying, you know, these are puppets, so why don't we try this approach instead of the human approach? And and it's stuff like picking up objects and manipulating things. And you know, when a puppet reaches for something, you have to kind of cut around it. You got to tell it in your your edit versus just reaching down gripping it and picking up, say, a hammer or whatever, you've got to do that in three cuts, right? You mm-hmm. you show the hand reaching, then you show another angle of the, the the handle in the hand, and then the lifting. So you've just got to think of it in terms of these small moments that are stitched together through your edit. Yeah, unless you're, unless think, you're doing... Uh, Unless it's something like the the always uh, telling magnet, right? With a the, yeah. the puppet well, there's, pitch there's something up and it's clear. It's just that's well, magnetism. It, you know, and this is what I love about the world of puppetry is that puppetry can mean a lot of different things. You might be doing Muppet style puppets, uh-huh. where you're doing mm-hmm. a hand and a rod. You might be doing all rod puppets. You might be doing something that it actually incorporates a human hand inside of. A yeah. prosthetic plant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is like yep. there's, yeah. there's all this you can, and that's what I love about um, Heather's um, projects, handmade puppet films, is that you see all of this stuff. It's like you think you know what a puppet film is, and then yeah. you watch, yeah. and then you watch something where everything's made out of wood, <laughs> or you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's amazing. It's wonderful. It really is. There's such breadth and, and depth and variety of the things that you can, the style that you can use and the types of stories. I mean, I, I really feel like puppets are limitless, but you're, you're right in terms of 
them having limitations and 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 there's some, you know there can be some serious limitations depending on um, who your audience is and and how they how they absorb it you know things like the faces aren't particularly particularly expressive unless they built animatronic faces into them or um, you know or the thing about you know handling objects and props I remember I'd pitched a show to Henson. Uh, years ago, probably 10 years ago, and the development person who was there at the time basically said, oh, your show has too many props. We, we, uh, it's, I, you know, we like the idea, but it has too many props, so they didn't want to have to deal with the puppets handling too many things. But I'm like, you know, hell, let them handle everything. You know, we, just, we, just, we just edit it so it looks like they're picking up objects and, and moving and, and all of that. A puppet can do just about anything. And, and I like, you know, even when I was in, in uh, art school, I was pushing illustration in that my, my philosophy to it was, um, you know, illustration is, a, is at heart a unmoving image. So I try to create illustrations that feel like they have movement mm-hmm. to kind of defy the nature of the material itself. And with puppets, I'm doing the same thing. You know, puppets, at least like people's expectations, a puppet's only going to be, you know, if it's a Muppet, waist up, you have a head, you have some hands, and they kind of, you know, goof around and do stuff. And like, no, puppets can, you know, they can have major, a big martial arts scene and be flying through the air and and uh, have, you know, all of these kinds of moments that people really don't expect. And and um, and so far, I've seen when I show these films, you know, I do see that reaction from people like, oh my god, what is this? Right. Um, I went to, I was at a, I was at a, a, a wedding, I think, and they were setting up some chairs, and it was a puppet person's wedding, and they were showing some films, and the guy setting up the chairs as they were, you know, teching it, he looked up and he saw Yamasa, and he just folded, unfolded the chair and sat down and watched the whole thing because he was in complete awe at it, because he never, you know, you could just tell he'd never seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and now's the time. Now seems like the perfect time because we jumped right into talking about puppets and, and stuff. It's like, Sam, you have a movie called Yamasong. Yes. <laughs> the Yamasong March of the Hollows. March of the Hollows. And it is a feature-length film. It is a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a follow-up to your short film, Yamasong. Right, right. It's essentially a sequel. Um but yeah, it's uh, the short film I made for Heather Henson's Handmade Puppet Dreams in 2010. Now uh, we've we've made into a feature with the with the support of Dark Dunes Productions, um, and that's a it's a 95 minute feature film, and it's the first all puppet feature that's been made um, since 2004, I believe, since Team America. Wow. What year was that? Wow. 2004. I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's been like twelve years or more since there there's been a film in the world that's you know all puppets and and told through the through the medium of puppetry, and you know it's a big epic fantasy. It's it's got a, you know kind of a vibe of Dark Crystal. Um, I'm a big Miyazaki fan, so it's got a a, a vibe of of um, especially Princess Mononoke, one of my favorite films. Um, you know, it's kind of the Kind of the marriage of that, you know, the love child of those those big concepts, really. Well, I was I was going to say, um, while it is not, it, while Yamasong itself is not a like a, a retelling of a Japanese folklore story or a legend, it has that flavor. Yes. 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 It's. Uh, I think you know when I started 
expanding the story idea, actually the short even, you know, the, the idea is to tell it in a way that it feels like a fairy tale or feels like a folk tale that may have existed somewhere or um, especially like a Japanese folk tale. And I'm, you know, visually I'm drawing from certain things like um, there's uh, Oniwakamaru, who is uh, the boy who grows up to become the hero Benkei, who was the uh, he was like the bodyguard or the 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 little John to the Japanese kind of uh, Robin Hood sure. Yoshitsune, and um, so there's some there's a there's a famous woodblock painting of a little boy riding on the back of a giant carp, and that comes from that story, and so that kind of moment is in in the first Yamasam short, and that's directly inspired by that folktale and um, in the feature we have um, elements of, of a couple different folktales that are that are at play um, on a conceptual level you know as far as you know the love story between the the herdsman and the, the girl from the stars there's elements of that and there's there's elements of uh, Russian folklore you know it's, and and um, my, my co-writer on Yama song is, is a Russian writer and so the one character is kind of literally like the 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 Russian nesting doll. There's an element of that in in the design part, and that plays in the story as well. So uh, pulling from different traditions and old stories, and making it feel like it could be in you know an old folk tale. Yamasong the feature is, is is bigger, so it's a little more mythic and and cosmic and in in scale. I mean, and your cast is crazy, dude. Your cast is yeah. You're yeah. just swinging for the <laughs> fences. So lucky. The How did this happen? Yeah. All right, let, let, let's let's talk yeah. about this for a second because all right, I'm just I and and in no particular order of importance or or, or whatever. I'm just I'm just running down what I am. Uh, BD's got given me. Um, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. Abigail Breslin. Uh huh. Let me put on my glasses so I don't mess up. Uh, Peter out. Weller, Mike, uh, Malcolm McDowell. Good. Get, that's a good get. Ed Asner, Bruce yeah. Davison, George Ed McKay. Asner. Hold on. Wait. Yes. <laughs> well, now, Ed, yes. Asner's doing a lot of voiceover stuff these is days. He? Is that where you and got these guys? His voice is so amazing. His voice <laughs> is so amazing. I wish he had a bigger part. Did that was? Did Did you get these the people through a voiceover pool or through? That or no, it was it was one of those things that it was is building momentum. It was a snowball effect. It started out that you know we already had we had Malcolm McDowell right from the start because he was a character in Dark Dune's last film, Kids vs Monsters. He so was in yeah, Sultan, I was say he was in yeah. Sultan's film, yeah, yeah. Sultan's last film, Malcolm was one of the main guys, you know. So they they called up Malcolm's agent and got Malcolm right away. And Bruce Davison's repped by the same agent, so he's like, well, Bruce would do a great job for this character. So we had two. And then um, I'm trying to remember who the third one was. I feel like it might have been George Takei was the third one. Mm. And then, so I, th I imagine the phone calls from the producers to the agents was, your guy has to look at this movie, you know, your, this, your actress has to look at this movie because we got this, 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 this person. And then they're like, oh, hell yeah, let's do it. So... You know, every week or so, Sultan would call me, and he's like, Sam, are you sitting down? I have some good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he loved it. He loved breaking the news to me. Um, and, you know, it, it started out, I had a wish list, so I gave them a wish list first, and then they went about, you know, bringing in voices. But, uh, but I mean, Nathan Fillion was always my first choice for Shojin. 
and uh, George Takei was always my first choice for um, uh, for Shojin's father, Masuk. Mm-hmm. George, and, uh, and George the, has we, such we a got a great cast. George, Sorry, George Takei. Yeah. Look at this. Um, I, I I think uh, first of all, Malcolm McDowell. I did a con with that guy once, and uh, yeah. we did a uh, there was a contest. It was the weirdest thing: Star Trek questions and zombie questions. <laughs> run into a hopper. <laughs> and uh, Malcolm, if you're listening, I, we crushed it. We crushed it. Yeah. Um, He's amazing. He I was he was my second voice record, and I was. I was scared going in. I, wow. I was like, "It's it's Malcolm McDowell, you know. What if what if I mess up? And he, and, what um, if I mess up and he starts singing singing in the rain? Now I'm in trouble." <laughs> I, my producer said, "You know, when you have Malcolm, let him do his thing. Don't give him notes unless you're absolutely sure that you know what you're asking from him. He does not suffer fools." So that's what I went in with. That, that was my advice. So I was like, "Oh God." And then um, we had a great record session. At the end, he came up, had me on the back, and said, "Good job! You did a good job." Nice, That's awesome, nice. So, got yeah, Peter. Peter, speaking of good voices, Peter Weller. Peter Weller. Holy yes. Crap. And that man is a genius. That man yeah. is a scholar. He uh, he actually we got a slow start on the day because he uh, you know I brought the puppet of the character in for each voice record session, mm. and so I brought his character brute in and he started looking at it and he just started breaking down all of the medieval sim- the medieval art symbolism encapsulated in the design of this character's costume because nice. you know he went back to school and he got a PhD I think in medieval art history Yeah, and so he regaled us with this kind of impromptu lecture about medieval art history Root. and so Sultan and I were just sitting there mesmerized listening to him for about 30-40 minutes and finally a voice came over the speaker. Uh, Sam Sultan, we have to. We're paying for the room. <laughs> we have to get going. <laughs> so wow. so and, we and were like, like, okay, all right. A room full what of filmmakers true. and no one captures this, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get that part. This is what these goddamn phones were made for. <laughs> um. I wanted to talk to you briefly um, uh, about Sultan and and what he's doing with Dark Dunes, and because I don't, I you know I don't know the guy, I don't know that much about him. Other than it seems to me, from an outsider's point of view, that here's a guy that has has money available to him, and he's just a big fan, and he's like, I want to make, I I want to do whatever I can to help out Alec Gillis, to help out Sam Koji Hill. To, is that is that accurate? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's mostly accurate. He's definitely a fan of, you know, of creature films and sci-fi fantasy. Uh, he's a he's a huge fan. I mean, when he goes into a studio, he just kind of geeks out on everything. He loves this stuff, and um, and Dark Dunes is is his his big project to create more practical effects based films. So all that's that's pretty accurate. Um, I you know I I feel like. Right now, Dark Dunes is in this place where they're waiting to see what happens with Yamasong because that's that's their biggest film to date. Sure. And I think you know if if we get this film out there and it does really well, then you're going to see more of it. And so you know my fingers are crossed for that. And of course, everyone who's you know been involved with Sultan and, and his projects are all hoping that. And so um, yeah, 
that's that's what I can definitely say. And um, yeah, and I hope I hope he does keep making films. I know that they've got a few scripts and things in place. And there for a while, there was you know when people first found out about Dark Dunes and what Sultan was doing, they were just swamped with scripts and people oh, sure. asking for money and. And it, it got to the point, you know, where he even pulled off his social media for a while because he was getting solicited left and right. You know, it was one of those things where I think I don't I think he probably was surprised just how much hunger there was out there for, you know, with filmmakers who want to make their things. And yeah, and I was you know I was lucky that the right conversation happened at the right time with him. You know, I was uh, we I think we went to ADI and we were driving back to his hotel and and he goes, so Sam. I'm thinking about making feature films. Do you have anything for a feature? And I happen to have my iPad with the Amazon short on it, and I handed it to him while I was driving. I'm like, watch this. And he watched and he goes, this is fantastic. Let's make a movie. <laughs> so, I was lucky. I was lucky. Well, he wasn't wrong. Yamasong the short film, is fantastic. It's One of the things that Thank I, you. as an effects guy, that I love about it is... You're not afraid to use, um, you know, uh, the. You're not afraid to use the technology that's available to you to put together the images and tell the story. And mm -hmm. I remember the backlash that Alec got when he was saying this is an all practical effects film, and then people got upset that he was compositing. And I'm like, what's wrong? With you? Like, you know, like <laughs> the the the. the Compositing programs, all they are is they are they've taken the place of the optical printer. It's the That's same right. exactly, and it's like you, yeah. it's like you know you film this element, you film this element, you film it this is the element, internet, though, you put and it all together. Well, yeah, up their own ass, that's so. true. Screw yeah. these people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and you know, yeah, it's it's it is. I mean, you know, optical printing goes back decades, and and you know, if you even think like Millier's early, early experimental films, he was compositing using, you know, black and white and, yeah. and you know, doing magic tricks, quote-unquote. Double exposures film, you know? and split screens yeah. and all this stuff because you had to in order to get those images. There's no... Yeah. Yeah. It's great. We've got the digital tools that make that easier, you know. There's, I really, I, you know, I believe there's nothing wrong in, in doing that. You know, there are going to be purists who are going to get upset and um, it's, they, it's just like they're... We we cheated a few places, you know. Say if lip sync is off on a puppet, I you know if there's time and 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 enough you know feedback about, it, we'll go in and and slightly adjust the puppet mouth just so it works better and it fits the lip sync better. Well, and 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 again, I I mean ultimately it's all about telling your story. So yeah. whatever toolbox you use to get there, right, is fine. I understand that in the puppet world. There's kind of the, there's a uh, uh, I don't want to say a chip on your shoulder, but it's just you know it's like look we're doing it this way, you know <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and 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 it ultimately is important that we're doing it this way and here here are the reasons why that it's important um, as we talked about earlier with CGI and the money and the armies of people and stuff and you don't need that when you can just Put something physical in front of the camera. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk I to you. I, I, I wanted to talk to you about your puppets because yeah, they're gorgeous, dude. They are. Thank you. They <laughs> are beautiful. They are beautiful. And you, um, construction-wise, 
do something different than um, than a lot of people do, and that is you handcraft your puppets with paper clay. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Paper clay. It's um, it's creative paper clay. You can get it at Michaels or a lot of art stores. It's a product made in Japan, and it's an air drying paper pulp prod uh, product. It's uh, it takes some getting used to though because it it's uh, especially if you work in say chavant clay and really firm clays for sculpting it's it's pretty soft and and hard to work with but i i learned about paper clay when i lived in japan and it's the thing that like our teachers give to the students to you know junior high kids elementary school kids to play with because it's so forgiving so you can make your shape you can obliterate it you can rebuild back on top of it um and so that's why i've, I've been using it and it's lightweight too and and it has a nice kind of quality or look to it. I think that um, I feel makes it sets it apart a little bit from the the, the traditional approach. They're gorgeous. Yeah, they're they're beautiful. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I I love doing paper clay, and I teach workshops and try to you know pass pass on what I've the techniques I've learned making these these puppets so that other people can do it too. Because I think it's the kind of thing that. Um, you know, could be handy for other puppet people as they're learning to build, or sculptors, or you know, these these puppets have been in art shows and art exhibits because I do consider them as you know pieces of art. That's you know that's my background. You know, I'm a fine artist by training. I'm an illustrator and a painter before I moved into digital, before I moved into puppets, and so I do have uh, that uh, kind of sensibility. Um, but hopefully, at the same time, you know, I'm telling stories that are. Are, are different and fun and cool and exciting and 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 hopefully just inspiring too. I want to see in ten years' time, you know, more puppet films and people experimenting with handcrafted stuff. Do you find that modern audiences are more accepting of? I mean, they because of their exposure. I mean, there's there's Thai shadow puppetry in um, uh, Deathly Hollows, right? So they've been exposed to all these different kinds. So do you think that modern audiences are more willing to say, all right, a puppet film, let's sign on to that, and let's go, you know, see that? Or do you think it's more of a niche thing that... Like a few of, like me, you, Langley. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope it's, I I think it's it's a combination. I think it'll start out as a niche thing. You know, I think it's kind of like Dark Crystal when it came out. I, you know, I, I've, I've disagreed with Lisa Henson in terms of Dark Crystal and it being a, if it was a big success or not. It's a success now because it became, you know, it was a cult classic, a cult hit that gained a lot of fans over the years. And I think the Netflix show next year is going to be a huge hit too. Um, but I think it, you know, it was a thing that when people saw it, you you had various reactions, and for some people, it was like I don't, my brain doesn't know how to interpret what I'm seeing, you know. Well, look at the so, look at the success of Leica, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and well, you know, and they've 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 you know they've done a great job of you know building their audience. So you know, Yamasong, it'll be the first time, say, a, a broad audience will see this style of puppetry, these kinds of puppets. Um, but our hope is, mine and Dark Dunes is, is that with the, the great voice cast we have mm-hmm. and the story that we're telling, and you know the aesthetic too, you know that that people are going to be like, wow, what is this, you know, and, and hopefully be blown away oh, and, and, and go see it multiple times. It's beautiful. It is gorgeous. It is. 
Thank like, you. I'm, yeah, in the, yeah. I'm in the bag anyway because it's got this whole j- the, the Japanese band and so uh-huh. yes, on ju- ensemble. But yeah. just the 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 voice acting, the subtlety of everything, the way they move, and I'm I just watching the the trailer. I feel like like you're not even going to realize it's a puppet film five minutes in. Right. Exactly. You're, yeah. you're, you're already in involved well, in the narrative. And you're, like I remember I remember showing somebody. Um, a trailer for, uh, I believe it was the mill at Calder's End. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was a young person, and they're like, "Well, their mouths don't move." And I go, "Right." And, and I yeah. go, and I go, "Well, trust me, you got it." And so I end up, I wound up having to sh- like, "Here, take this DVD, <laughs> and sit down and watch it, uh-huh. and then come back to me." And they were like. Dude, after like thirty seconds, I didn't realize their mouths didn't move. It's like yeah, it's I was when we we had yeah. Kevin on. I mentioned to him that my wife is not a a, a, a big fan of this kind of a thing, mm-hmm. but we watched them both and she enjoyed them immensely. Well, yeah, and I feel like Yamasong is going to be right in the same. You know. Yeah, I think you're you know you you probably either buy into it after the first five or ten minutes or you don't. And if you don't buy into it, I'll I'll feel like a bit of a failure because <laughs> the idea is that you fall in love with this world and these characters and you yeah. want to go on the journey. Well, right? that's the dude, that's what you want. Let's I mean, let's look at look at the Muppet universe where there's no articulation. It is merely a hand opening and closing. There's no yeah. you you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and yes, with some puppets you can kind of pull their faces back and stuff to demonstrate a, a facial expression. However, when it comes down to dialogue and moving it's all the it's all the puppeteer. It's mm-hmm. all the performer. Mm-hmm. The, the puppet is just like this limp sack of felt, and yeah, and, and yet. And he, well, the interesting thing I think with the Muppets is you know I think ever since the beginning they've been they've been playing with the idea design wise of the the simplicity of the design becomes the the form or becomes the 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 once you accept the simplicity of the design. You've accepted that world. It's the um, sure. <clears throat> it's the understanding <laughs> comics thing. I'm, uh, you guys have probably read that, right, by Scott McCloud. The um, yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. You start with a smiley face, a simple face, and you can project so much into that. You can project so much character and personality into the smiley face. But as you move to toward the more realistic, there's less and less and less that you can you as a, a viewer can imbue that with. It you becomes have, more and more and more a specific thing, a person or whatever. And the Muppets are on the smiley face side of the spectrum, which allows a lot of latitude as far as the audience accepting and embracing these characters. It reminds me of Eisenstein's um, editing experiments. I show uh, a, a guy with a completely blank face. It's just a guy, right? And then the mm-hmm. next, and then I, I juxtapose that with a shot of a coffin, and we automatically go. He's sad. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or we go, okay, it's a plate of food. He's hungry. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think that I think that through puppets, and I think you're right, Sam, the simpler that things are, it gives us way more elbow room as viewers emotionally and mm-hmm. as storytellers to, um, to, to, to let you experience the story. If, if I make... The more realistic I make a puppet, and the more that I make it, at, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
copy real life, yeah, the less interpretation, the less room for there is for interpretation for me. Right, right. And so, yeah, so that's what you know when I'm designing. I think, I think in terms of those things, you know, at times, and some of my characters have simpler designs because they're. Uh, there's one character, Malcolm McDowell's character, has a very kind of. It's not a smiley face, but it's a, a little more of a basic-looking face, and he's the sympathetic character in the story. Sure. Where uh, the the patchwork girl from the original short film, you know, she has no mouth, and there's a reason for that. You find out in the story too, but some people have reacted to that, you know, in a, in a weird way. Why doesn't she have a mouth? Uh, that's so so strange. Where's her mouth? You know, because everything else is so realistic, but she doesn't have a mouth to speak with. Hmm. Right. Well, and, and like you say, it becomes a storytelling point. Yeah. There's a reason yep. why she doesn't have a mouth. It's it's not it's not that like, oh, we ran out of clay this day. <laughs> <laughs> Making mouths is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm curious. Um, in your opinion, what are some of your... Of course, in your opinion... No, um, and someone else's someone else opinion. opinion. <laughs> um, what, what I'm going to tell you Kevin McTurk's opinion. Yeah, right yeah. Now, what are, change it over. What are some of the like must uh, must see puppet films? Oh in, gosh. Um, well, short films or long films? Because there aren't a lot of long films. What right, I'm trying so. to do is sort of give the audience a, a way to to go out yeah. some titles to go out and see some of these. I, I would start and say things like Little Odic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, little um, Odic is, is badass. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Did you I, yeah, did you see Strings? That that's a pretty. Oh cool yes, yeah. yeah. So cool. Yeah. 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 Strings, oh. which was a European film. I think you can probably find it here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal. Uh, I would gosh. say I would say go and spend the ten bucks or whatever it is, and uh, get yourself a copy of Lessons Learned from. Yeah, from Toby. Toby's from Toby film Crowd. is wonderful. You yeah. know, Kevin's films. You know, uh, narrative mm-hmm. of Victor Carlock and Millet Calder's End. Um, let's see. Uh, we, I, I'd say, watch the Handmade Puppet Dreams films. Right now, we're kind of between distributors, but we're going to be released on Shorts International oh. in January, I think, early next year. As far so, as that goes, yeah. one of the one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen was Steve Johnson's Ever Loving. Oh yeah, I I love that one too. I I just wish it wasn't uh, such a small film. Small yeah. in terms of it's it's only SD, and he has no interest or the files probably. Right, he doesn't want it. Yeah, he's like blow he's, it up. he's done with that. But man, it, it's yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's so good. It's and it's you know it's a simple premise. It's it's this trash bag character creature that they shot in a water tank. Yeah. And it, it's just it wakes up and is discovering its world, and it meets another one of itself, and you know, oh, wow. they kind of they swirl around each other. It's, it's yeah, it's beautiful. Have oh, you wow. not seen it? It's it's amazing. I don't know. <laughs> Tom's like I don't know. Yeah, I forget it's things. on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, speaking oh, and the other is using a Moby song. He, right. you know, that's the other big problem. So we've yeah. we've had that conversation, and we he never got the rights, and you know, uh, yada yada. Uh, we we really can't do much with it. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm reminded. Remember Sandman, the the there's a stop motion thing. The stop motion thing. It's this this Berg. I think is very uh, scary. Uh, mm. 
thing where the Sandman comes at night and uh, takes kids' eyes. Yeah, he takes their eyes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's great if you haven't seen it. Oh, it's on YouTube. It's oh well. I mean, yeah. if you're talking stop motion, there's something that the Pied Piper. Yeah, there's, I was thinking of what was the the Canadian short about the woman on the train and they they composited human eyes on her. Oh my God, it, uh, Polly! It was an Academy Award. It, it got a nomination, I think, or maybe it won. I think it won the Academy Award. For it's amazing. Sight. Yeah, yeah. They, they you know, <laughs> it's so it's so beautiful and creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they made they made a puppet film that was uh, originally released with Where the Wild Things Are. Um, as a as a featurette, and that was that was a it was a story about a what was it a a cat and a it was a man and a with a cat head that had articulated eyes and mouths a mouth and there was a a baby that was one of the anime one of the animators faces composite into baby puppet body whoa and a I lion that. <laughs> it was it was out there but it was it was pretty cool it was a thing that we 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 were showing it as part of our traveling series until Warner Brothers pulled it. Um, well, they you, were cool about it for a while, and then I guess someone finally said, you know what, yeah, we don't. We, we want this to just be on the DVD and nobody else can see it, so we're just yeah. going to tuck it away. Cool. I, I, I would also recommend to people um, that they take a look at kind of the performance stuff that was going on in the 70s, um, that it's not exactly puppeteering the way that we think of it, but it also... Is puppeteering, and that is the Moomin shots. Moomin shots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and oh, there's like also, uh, yeah, there's Hugo and Inez as well. Oh, they're still God. probably doing so. Their their performance is so amazing, and you know they take the idea of you know they may put a nose and and uh, eyebrows on on a leg, and then that becomes a character. You know they're taking parts of their body, so it's body performance. Right. But then. Transforming it before your eyes into something else, or you know, you're you're engaged as an audience member because you have to, you know, believe the thing that they're creating. But it's it's pretty pretty neat what they do. There was the the world of Jim Henson series where uh-huh. Jim traveled around and visited some of the great masters that were, that were doing puppetry in the set, late seventies, early eighties, and um, that series is a wonderful series to watch too. There's you you see the people at the time who were at the the peak of their craft. Doing shadow puppets or tabletop puppets, or you know, as, as, like as far as that goes, you know, there's been enough time in between. It's a different. It's maybe two, maybe three generations later. Um, go back and watch the Muppet Show. Go back and watch Sesame Street. Go back and watch Fraggle Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, because God, I'm racking my brain. I interviewed the guy. One, the guy that plays Telly. On Sesame Street, his okay. name is escaping. No, I don't. I don't. I the Marty Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. Was, he was talking about getting married on the steps of One Two Three Sesame Street. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's pretty <laughs> great. Yeah, that's pretty great. Well, the first time I went to New York, I when I was in Brooklyn and walking down the streets, like no, th- everything looks like Sesame Street. All of the brownstones, <laughs> I'd seen photos. But I'm like, this is why you had Sesame Street. This is why you had kids in the 30s playing stickball on the street. This is this is New York. This is Sesame Street. You know? Yeah. It was it was it was quite a it left a big impression on me when I first went. Um, oh, the stop motion film was called Madame Tootley Pootley. The That's one about it. the woman yes. on the train. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my yeah. God! It's it's there, amazing. Speaking of Oscars, the there was a series, a BBC series that just won last year it was taking 
fairy tales and changing them up. It's on. It was on Netflix. That it used puppets. <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. Really. Huh. I'll to look it up. I'm looking at it now in my head, and I'm probably thinking it may not be. It may be CG. So forget it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard about that. But it's really good. Uh, it, it Did you guys ever see the Dream Child? That was Alice in Wonderland, but it was done with a lot of puppets, and it was like, uh, it was post. I think it's post Labyrinth, and the Frouds worked on it, and some of the other Labyrinth people in the UK worked on it. But it was uh, called Dream Child. No, I need to see yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, it's another one that's kind of dark and creepy, but with puppets. Very um, cool. There's I don't a whole, know that it got wide distribution in here. There's a whole subgenre of that kind of, you know, that, that it, this wonderful world where all the stuff is coming together, where we have um, what kind of what Sam you're doing is uh, After Effects and puppetry and stop motion and just. And it all comes together, and that's um, Mirror Mask. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I think that was. It was early enough where you were kind of seen experimenting with the computer to try to get to Dave McKean style. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I, I I don't know that it quite made it there. You know. It no, was, I uh, I don't think it did. But it was very cool to see somebody. It was very cool to see those Dave McKean illustrations yeah. kind of come to life. Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, I think the original idea was it was going to be a Labyrinth sequel, and then it just ended up growing into a completely different thing. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's the trajectory now on, on Yamasong? You've been kicking ass at um, film festivals. Yeah, so now we're doing film festivals. Uh, we, you know, we played in Bristol, England, and we played Atlanta Film Festival, uh, now we're going to be at Dragon Con on Thursday, nice. and then um, then we got into a festival in Dusseldorf in November, so that's coming up. And um, yeah, I'd love to you know get into more festivals. It's you know it's interesting because I've been through this process a few times now with the original short film, and then working with other filmmakers to help them get their shorts into festivals. And it feels to me like it's harder and harder to get a, a feature into a festival because I think partly programming-wise, you know, it's 95 minutes that you're programming for in a weekend festival versus, say, a five-minute or ten-minute short mm-hmm. for a weekend festival. So um, we've, you know, uh, I've, I've tried not to let it get me down, but we've we've been rejected by a, a good number of, of the big festivals. So, you know, we're, we're just trying to play the festivals that... Um, that we hope we can get into, and it's a nice match for Yamasong, you know, animation festivals, festivals with a puppetry component or puppetry festival. And, um, you know, just get get it out there to people so people can see it and start talking about it. And, and in the meantime, you know, Dark Dunes is, is meeting with sales agents and trying to, trying to get a distributor so that they can do a, a much broader release in the near future. Wow. Yeah, I'd love to see that on, available on my home video and stuff where people can have it. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, me, I, I mean, I, I imagine it'll eventually end up streaming, you know, but I'd love there to be at least a short theatrical run because it's, mm-hmm. it's optimized for theater, it's stereo five, whatever it is. Um, I sat in a, a you know, a, a full theater with the, the, the colorist and with the, the sound mixer and got everything just perfect. So the, I'd, I'd say the way to really see it is in the theater if, if you get to see it. 
I'm not going to rest until two things happen. Uh-oh. One, I see it in a the theater, and two, it lives on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's great. I, I hope it's soon. I hope it's this year or early next year. So do you, are you already starting to uh, blue sky um, your next thing? You know, it's... Um, I've I've been working on a new thing which uh, that Langley and I had I you know reached out to him about looking for some effects artists. There's I can't say much about it, but it's mm. uh, it's it would be an exciting project if it gets off the ground. And and of course, if we get to that point where we get to make a Yum Sung sequel, you know I've I've had I've had you know the, I, it's it's about two thirds written. It's outlined all the way, um, you know. If we get a green light to do a sequel for Yamasong, you know, I have a really good idea of where that's all going. Awesome. But this other thing is, this other thing's exciting because I'm I'm working with some, maybe not the talent from Yamasong, not some of these A-list uh, feature actors, but I'm working with Star Wars Clone Wars voice actor leads, mm. and I'm working with um, I'm working with Jim West, who's uh, Weird Al's guitarist, to to score it all. So, <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. He's a great yeah, guitar player. He's a really good. You have to be to do that stuff, right? Like, yeah. You yeah can, and, right? and he, it's like he 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 could it just flow it out of him as we're talking. He's picking at his guitar like something like this. You know, he he turned it around in two days. It's just he, cool. it was amazing. That's very so, cool. Uh, yeah, check out his stuff too. Uh, Jim Kimo West, his his other thing he does besides play guitar for Weird Al is that he plays slack key, Hawaiian slack key. He's one of the premier worldwide, uh, you know, uh, famous uh, slack key guitarists. Wow. Up Jim Kimo West. Very cool. You know, and and that's that's his other thing. But yeah, so I'm working with him. It's not. It doesn't have anything with Hawaii or or slack key. It's actually kind of a Western themed thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, I hope that thing goes. Very cool. You know, that very, very cool. Well, dude, it was an honor meeting you. I, I'm, I had heard so much about you, and, and I'm happy to say you've lived up to the hype. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's great Lang- talking to you guys. It's a lot of fun. Um, and you know what? Uh, you were right, Langley. There's plenty to talk about. I feel like we just scratched the yeah, surface. Dude, and we'll have why, you back. That's why we always extend the invitation at the end of the show, because everybody always says that. Like you're welcome to come back. Absolutely, and, and we'll bug you at some point, and I'm and 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 we'll come and we'll talk about the stuff that we didn't get to today. Right on. Well, well good. thank you so much. Well, <laughs> keep an eye out for the movie. Watch for announcements, and uh, also check out Handmade Puppet Dreams because that's where we're making a lot of shorts, and we've got some really good ones coming um, next year. And um, yeah, yeah, right check on. them out. All right, right on, man. Each one's a highlight of some artist's great work. So. Very, very cool, very cool. Awesome. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just one sec.
So back, awesome. Yeah, fantastic. thanks again. That's yeah. awesome. Didn't know the didn't know this guy from Adam, and then now I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, dude. I, the the trailer looks. The Amazon looks so good. It looks, dude. It's like he's made it. I feel like he made it just for me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's the great thing is that, you know, one of the things that we didn't get to talk about that I'm hoping Sam will come back sometime uh, is uh, talking about um, telling uh, the human condition through proxy. Yeah. You know, for some reason, when you tell stories through puppets or animals, you know, going back to George Orwell's Animal Farm, uh, you're able to do things that you can't do with people. And, um, or, or, well, maybe in this day and age you can, but um, mm-hmm. it, it uh, for some reason, resonates more. Yeah, they they act as avatars. For, yes, exactly. For what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, moving on to people who died. Yeah. Lots this week. Yeah. And they're all over the place. Um, we'll start with Kofi Annan. Um, ex-Secretary General of the UN. Yes, it was a name that I heard a lot. When Once upon it, a time, yeah, and absolutely. then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Barbara Harris, Tony-winning actress and co-founder of Second City. She was in films like Gross Point Blank and Nashville. Right. Yeah. Big. big this is movie helper. This yeah. is character actor heaven. Yes. It, yeah. She was. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Chris Champion, another wrestler. And this guy's it, young. This has been like a weekly thing now. Yeah, every yeah. week a wrestler drops dead. Yeah. Ronda Rousey, like, get a different career. Cause, yeah, right? Because <laughs> bad things mm-hmm. are happening. I don't know what it is. They were they were, they were, were making a big deal, speaking of Ronda, about how she just won some belt in WWE. She's sure. like, she's the only woman that's held a belt in these two sports. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh Stefan Carl Stephenson. He was Robbie Rotten in Lazy Town, which I guess is a big deal. It was a big deal, like the Apparently Wiggles. Apparently, it was a big deal for people, yeah, for kids, yeah. Um, I, I, like I recognized the face and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't never think saw I it. Ever saw it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you had to have either be a kid at a certain point in time or have, have a, kid. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like Blue's Clues. Like, if you didn't have a kid at the time of Blue's Clues, or if you weren't a kid, you probably don't know about it. It's why I can, to this day, sing you the entire theme song to DuckTales. Yeah, right, exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> my kids watched it every single day. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Eddie Willis, guitar player, one of the Motown Funk Brothers. Wow. Um, we're going to start to see a lot of these guys. We're going to start to see, yeah. Well, I mean, this in you know these last few years, we've started to see... We've always had rock stars or popular music stars dying, usually early because of drugs mm-hmm. or, or something like that. But this is this is really the first few years where we've started to see people at the end of their natural life dying. Off yeah, that 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 are those heroes. <laughs> speaking of speaking, Ed King, guitarist for Strawberry Alarm Clock. Wow, and Leonard Skinner. Yeah, yeah. That guy survived a plane crash. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Russ Heath, uh, he was an artist. He did books like G.I. Combat, Little Annie Fanny, The Two-Gun Kid. Wow. Um, he also used, he did the artwork on those. Remember those things you used to get in a box? And inside the box was like all these little soldiers that you would stand up and be like, Revolutionary War yeah. soldiers. And on the front, there was this lurid painting of battle. Right, right, right. That was it. Rusty. Okay. 
Uh, Lindsay Kemp, choreographer, uh, worked on The Wicker Man and a movie called Valentino, and was a mentor to both David Bowie and Kate Bush. Yeah, um, this one seemed to resonate with a lot of people. I I don't know if it was because of of the Bowie work and the Kate Bush work, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. And then, um, one, two, three, really quick in the last couple of days, Robin Leach... Yeah, Robert uh, Leach, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Everyone's uh, saying they thought he had died, already died, but no, he had just retired and was living the life. He was one of those guys that, for you know, at the at his height, he seemed older than he was. Yeah. He wasn't really that old of a guy. Well, he became a caricature of himself with that yeah. voice, that yeah. that loud yeah. British. Ah! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, uh, John McCain. John McCain, um, you know, politician, but I think more than that, he came to represent uh, an American ideal. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and the cool thing was, he was one of these guys that, um, you know, I, as everybody is in, in Washington, he's either on one side of the fence right. or the other, but he was able to kind of transcend that. Once in a while. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot to say about his politics because I didn't agree with a lot of them. Sure. Um, he all, he did, but he did seem to, when the rubber hit the road, his humanity spoke. When, yeah. Like when the lady called Obama Muslim. That right. was a real moment. That's a moment. Um, yeah. and, and, and unlike a lot of these guys... Um, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. He 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 was there and he had to endure way my wife, more than my wife read some article and she was reading it out loud to me about what that guy had what they did to him. Yeah, physically. Jesus. Yeah. It's, Jesus. Yeah, he it's, couldn't to this day he could well he, he couldn't lift his arms, arms past a certain point because of the injuries. Unbelievable. That, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. And he could have left. That's the thing. Yeah. He had an opportunity to leave mm-hmm. and he's like, No, I'm not gonna do it because you're gonna you're going to turn me into a pawn. Right. And uh, that's, right, 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 right. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, just this morning, Neil Simon. Yeah, Neil Simon. Playwright. Playwright. Um, um, a couple. Just Cal... Uh, the Goodbye Girl. Goodbye Girl. Um, so many things. Um, and, 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 and as we often talk about, <clears throat> you know... He was 91. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had lived, you know... A good it, life. It, 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 it's not like, you know, oh, we lost him too soon. You know, the only one that says that 91 isn't isn't old is... Or is the guy that's 92, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the, the, the news that um, it, was, it wasn't talked a lot about, but they somewhere there was an interview with Tim Conway's daughter, and he has Alzheimer's really bad and yeah. doesn't recognize anyone. And yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. To think that mind has gone is... is Comedic genius. Yeah. You're like Unbelievable. Oftentimes that term gets thrown a lot, of, thrown around a lot. In his case, it completely applies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh uh, I'm God. sure we'll lose him soon, but yeah, go out and just find anything that he did on Carol Burnett's show. Yeah. Hilarious. In particular, the elephant story. That's elephant it's story. one of my favorite. Anything the the mm. dentist sketch oh is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, just amazing. Uh, moving on to news. There's uh, there's a new holiday slasher film called Mrs. Claus. Okay. Where a killer dresses up as Mrs. Claus. Okay. Sure. 
I'm surprised it hasn't happened before. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's mad. She's hormonal. <laughs> it's Mrs. Claus. Um, Aston Martin is remaking Bond's DB5 car with functioning gadgets. Now, I want more information. <laughs> what are the functioning gadgets? Because <laughs> if mine is shooting oil out of the back, <laughs> sold. <laughs> <laughs> I want a missile that yeah, comes out of the I, headlight. Dude. That, you know it's going to be like, you know, your cup holder it, you yeah. know, comes out of the yeah, dashboard. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I would give... <laughs> what I would give for just, in my car, an ejector seat. <laughs> yeah? Wait. Passenger or driver? Passenger. <laughs> Definitely Passenger. Uh, let's see. Mick G is developing a series based on a, on the video game Vampire. Oh, sure he is. Okay, okay. whatever. Uh, remember last week when I was saying about Bloomhouse wanting to do every one of your franchises that you love? Yeah. Well, they want to do Universal. They want to take over Universal's Dark Universe. No, <laughs> no. We already know who's supposed to do that. We've talked about it a million times. <laughs> Don't give it to Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse is going to make so dumb. Oh, they're going to put some some hotshot director involved. Oh, and, no. Uh, Danny Boyle has left Bond 25. Edgar Wright is the name that's under consideration. Well, they I, said I maybe, both of those guys. Yeah. Well, Danny Boyle is gone. He, cre- yeah. they, they said creative differences. Right. Which meant that he, they pro- he probably, they wouldn't let him put it in space. Doesn't, doesn't, um... But Edgar Wright just did Baby Driver, and that's kind of a Bond film. I it mean, kind of, sort of. Um, I mean, again, just like with Ant Man, he can totally do it. It's whether or not they're willing to let him be right. Edgar Wright. Well, there's also a petition online to get um, a female director, which I think we should. I, I agree that that's a great idea as sure. long as we can get a filmmaker who happens to be female. I think. I think we we stop paying attention who the to the director is and yeah, it's time for a female Bond uh nah I think Bond needs that sort of colonialism and that sort of misogyny to, and I don't know that and I would love to see a woman doing that I don't know it would be I think it would be a different people didn't buy it for example with Red Sparrow and it was kind of Bond nah. it, it was Bond adjacent it was <laughs> 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 anyway uh, Saw At the right. very least, can we have Idris Elba's Bond? Yeah. Like, like, oh, I'm down with that. We but know I think that. There, there needs to be a, a certain guyitude for Bond. Well. Based on the literature. Yes, and, but I love whenever I see a, a female character basically with that same guyitude. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, I've always. I, there, there's that theory about how. They're all Bond. They're all Bond right, is exactly. a moniker they get right, handed around. Exactly. So then, sure, you could get it. You could get a woman in there that you know. It's like the Doctor, right? Yeah, doctor yeah, Who. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Saw writers are working on a holiday-themed horror film for Platinum Dunes. The Saw writers are doing a Halloween, uh, uh, a holiday. So that's Christmas. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. Guy gets his uh, hand stuck in. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Norm Macdonald is getting a uh, Netflix interview show. That would be cool. Yeah, he ha- he's had an interview show on YouTube, and it's quite funny. He had Jim Carrey on there. Norm Macdonald is always... Jim, did you ever see when he did just did, like, 
bad joke after bad joke. It was at the Bob Saget oh, roast. God, it was... He did it on purpose to, to sort of let the air out of how stupid he thought roasts were, he said. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. His, you know, uh, you know when you talk about um, comedians and delivery, I, I think he's the prime example yeah. of why delivery is so important. Absolutely. You know? he, him on Twitter is hilarious. Uh, like daily hilarious. You know, I was thinking about him the other day because there was a clip running around of him on one of the late night talk shows, and there was an actress there who had she was there promoting um, Chairman of the Board. The yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This is um, yeah. Was it an early Conan Tiffany Amber Thiessen? Yeah, and <laughs> she was in Melrose Place, and they were talking about that. And and Norm is the only one at the table going, you guys are joking, right? Like, well, this is horrible. He can't... He's in, he's incapable of holding back. Like, you see the eye, uh, the idea appear on, in his head. Yes. And he just starts vibrating until he can say it. It's, fun, it's fucking hilarious. Um, the Hills is, for some reason, getting a reboot, if you remember Hills. Remember Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag? No. Yeah, they were. Is this a, a reality thing. show? Yeah. Okay. No, we don't I, care. <laughs> uh, just is like, it like? Is it like the Jersey Shore on the West Coast? Kind of. Oh bullshit! Kind Fuck of. that. Yeah, it's kind a, of stupid. But but it but there was is this their kids now? Is that what? I don't know. <laughs> it's horrible. But 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 it means that in promoting it, they're probably going to interview Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag and the rest of those other idiots from the first first series. Um, I don't know why they're doing that and I don't I mean other than the money they're I don't know why they're doing a crazy rich Asians reboot. Already greenlit, already paid for Why why a reboot? Not a reboot, a sequel. Oh okay, okay. sorry. Well because it's made a bunch of money. It made a bunch of money, that, that's exactly that's right. That. But I, I guess it's because there were all the unanswered questions from the first one. Uh -huh. yeah. Uh, Hulu is developing a Veronica Mars revival. That show can't die. Okay. It died. They brought it back. They made a they movie canceled in it. 2014. Yeah. Um, oh, you know more about this than you let on. Uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I. But they're going to bring it back. I'll be honest. I never saw any of them. I mean... I understand that there's a rabid fan base, though. Sure. So that tells me that there's something there. Agreed. You know... And she's got this. The, the actress now has this new show, The Good Life or something or other. Good Life is is actually a good show. Yeah, yeah, never seen it. Uh, Brendan Fraser has joined a live action Doom Patrol as the voice of Robot Man for DC streaming. So I'm just glad to see Brendan Fraser getting some work. Yeah, so they're moving that peg forward. That they're doing. Here's another show that they're doing. Um, for this DC streaming, mm -hmm. but they've also said that he's joining the DC, the CW DC universe as Deadline, whatever the fuck that means. Okay, we we don't care. You're gonna not care about a lot of this. Uh, Netflix has announced Death Note two because it was the first one was a big hit, but they're doing a, another Death Note. Are you was the first one a big hit? It was a big enough hit that really? they yeah. I, all I heard was people of the an, uh, fans of the anime saying it sucked. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Uh, Sony is releasing a secret, unnamed James Gunn-produced horror film. Which is... I get it. It's a marketing thing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to be a secret, unnamed thing, because he was going to talk about it at Comic-Con, yeah. and then when he got fired, that all got canceled. Yeah, so... 
right. So now it's like, all right, it's a secret unnamed thing. But for those of you that were worried about James Gunn. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> d- yeah d- I, I, again, in my opinion, much better off. Um, agreed. A full moon to complete the stop motion epic The Primevals. Okay, this is years. the biggest news of the week. For it's been a few weeks now that the, that this this made it. A, uh, so okay, so what happened was way back in the late sixties, early seventies, Jim Danforth, David Allen, um, uh, uh, these stop motion guys, they they came up with this story, and I wish I could remember the name of the original story. And it was like Raiders of the Red Stone, or I don't know, something like that. Okay, but it was an excuse to do all these really cool stop motion effects, right? And um, in time, it changed. It fell into Dave Allen's hands, and it became a Dave Allen project that he worked on for decades on his own. This is the decades before crowdfunding, where you could like you know come up with money. Mm-hmm. And so, while he's working on you know this Puppet Master film or Honey I Shrunk the Kids or whatever it was he was working on, he's also slowly over time making this movie. It also makes it a very uh, schizophrenic movie because some of the earliest footage is from like 1972 and some of the later footage was like 1980. Like things were you know, actors changed and all kinds of stuff. But um, throughout there were these amazing I I remember like one one of the first uh, issues of Starlog there was this description. Someone had seen some footage and they were talking about the primevals, and it was like a Viking fighting a lizard man on a cliff or something. I'm just like, what? Like, hmm. you know, in my mind, that's... Um, so now, all these years later, it's kind of become a holy grail. It's like... It's another we, London after midnight. Can we please see this movie, or at least a documentary about this movie, or something to do with this movie? We've seen stills. Mm-hmm. We've got the Yeti. We've got all these amazing designs. It's taking place... I think in the Himalayas, or at least partly in the Himalayas. Um, and But now, Chris Endicott, who was David Allen's, for lack of a better word, assistant, has somehow gotten... Because peop- well, fans have been clamoring for this for years, and Charles Band has just ignored us. Yeah. And so it looks like it's happening. Yeah, and it's I'm, good. I'm amazed. Right on. And I'm, I'm ecstatic. Uh, yeah, the uh, the fact and the fact that it's full moon means that people will actually get to see right. it. Right. Yeah, there is a built-in fan base. Uh, let's see. Seventeen Herschel Gordon Lewis films are getting cleaned up and released on October first. I know what you're thinking Herschel Gordon Lewis made seventeen, 17 films. films? <laughs> That's exactly what. I'm yeah, but they're 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 cleaning them all up. All, all right. of the all of the gore films. Sure. Are, it's got to be the their hot rod. Movies in well, I was going to say, I have to imagine that a chunk of those 17 films had nothing to do with gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, uh, let's see, Gary Streiner, brother of Russ Streiner, who played Johnny in Night of the Living Dead, yes, um, is doing a showing of the 4K Night of the Living Dead at what is now called the Byam Theater. It used to be called the Fulton Theater, which is where Night of the Living Dead premiered. Oh, very cool. I'd love to go there. I bet you John Scalaria is going to be there. Probably. Future guest, John Scalari. Yeah. Because he, they've got this uh, big big thing coming out on Not a Living Dead, big book. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it coming up. Uh, Natalie Portman is directing her second film, and it's based on the relationship of sisters 
Dear Abby and, La- and Landers. Oh, interesting. That'd be cool. Um, she did another. She did another film that I forget the name of it. Natalie Portman, but she's at, moving to director, and that's good. Cool. Big Bang Theory ending in 2019. If anybody still cares. Okay. <clears throat> Kenya Barris and Yamara Taylor, the brains behind this TV show Blackish, are got a pilot order from ABC to do an interracial Bewitched. Yeah, I saw that. Um, the way I've heard it is the the wife will be not only a witch but also black, okay. and some of the things I'll be talking about is even she has magical powers and her husband still gets better stuff than she does. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, sure. To demonstrate the inequality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I can not with not even with. Magic, can right. I can I yeah, fix yeah, yeah. this? Movie Pass is reneging on all of its annual um, subscriber benefits, and it, and they're losing. They lost me and my wife. They're losing people in droves, and yeah. that's kind of a done deal. Well, they're done. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was too good of a deal. I got to see a bunch of movies on it for free. That's cool. For virtual for free, and yeah. it was it was great. Uh, Disney has put Guardians of the Galaxy three officially on hold. Like it's. It sounds dead. Yeah. Like whatever they were doing, whatever happens after Infinity War, they they're gonna leave it alone. Okay. At least well, for a while. And I think, and you know, if they're gonna make the stupid move of firing James Gunn, mm-hmm. then the smartest thing they can do is let it die because I don't think anybody else is gonna be able to do yeah. it. It'll, it'll always right be. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta let some time pass before yeah. you, you you bring him back. Uh, Dominic Monaghan from Lord of the Rings has been cast in Star Wars Episode Nine. Okay, so that's fun. Yeah, he's that's kind of perfect. I, I he's think kind of a cool dude. Yeah, he, he had a TV show where he would run around and like do a like a croc hunter thing, go yeah. find animals and pick them up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. I liked him in uh, Lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done a couple of things, small films mm-hmm. that he's been good. Uh, Legendary says that they have a rights. Hey, they have the rights. Listen to this carefully. Legendary says they have the rights for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre TV series. I, okay. I mean, it, is there enough there for a TV series? I. I don't Maybe. Know. I don't know. I don't get it. But it just sounds like more you Mad know, Libs. Despite friend of the show's love of. The uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Yes, it that franchise to me is one of those ones. Where it's like, here's this amazing, glorious piece of work, mm-hmm. and everything else after that, I don't care. Yeah, it's you know, all that, trying to. Re- it, the first film captured lightning in a bottle. Exactly. The other films have been trying to recapture that lightning, and I'll be fucking honest with you, Texas Chainsaw isn't what Texas Chainsaw should be. No, yeah. as but far as a film goes, yeah, I get it, it the, when it landed and everything else. But when you, as you look at it as a film, it's flawed. Sure, yeah, but oh, and that's that's true why we of, love it, right? That's true. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. I've said before. You know, we respect really good films. We love <laughs> yeah. bad films. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Bret Hart, wrestler Bret Hart, was honored by an indigenous tribe in Canada, eh, and given a, a native name. Okay. And it seemed it was a big kind of a big deal. Um, he was all misty eyed and and uh, yeah, talked about growing up on the prairie. And, uh, is he is he native? Native? Is he? No, uh, yeah. Okay. But he grew up in Canada. 
okay. from a dynasty of so First Nation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to trailers. A uh, good week. Uh, it is a good week. Pretty good week. Yeah. We'll start with something called Big Brother. I'm going to call this Donnie Yen in the substitute. In the substitute. Yeah. But it's a comedy. Uh, this looks great. Yeah. Um, it looks super fun. It has enough kick-ass for you, for your Donnie Yen fans. It also is looks fun. Yeah. Um, He's a teacher that goes to work in some school. I, Maybe a little kindergarten cop in I there. I want to say he's he was like some type of operative or something, something. And but now he's a teacher. Yeah. But the, you know, the big takeaway for me was... Um, the positive message that he was he's a producer on it so he he he's obviously trying to um inspire yes you know, and it's not about just you know the action sequences and stuff although they look fantastic mm-hmm. um it's also about you know taking a a, a, a class or a school of misfits and turning them into fine right. upstanding it, it, it felt like if you would have told me that this film was based on an unmade Jackie Chan script exactly. from the 90s. I would yes, be like, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, look, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in across it looks the board. Great. Next up, um, movie called Fubar, English Zombies. Kind of like, it reminded me of Doghouse. Guys go on a guy's weekend, and they're supposedly in this place where there's real zombies. And it's, a straight no- up, it's a straight up comedy. It reminded yeah. me of Severance. Yeah. Um, these, these guys go out for this. It's, it's a, like pain, a it's a paintball thing, and you, and you have and and your opponents they dress up as zombies, and one of our characters winds up actually killing one of the quote unquote zombies. There's uh, no real zombies in this movie. Really, it's not a zombie movie. I thought it. it I thought the, that scenario, what you just said, mm-hmm. leads into. That's why I thought it was going to. But as I watched the trailer more, no, it's. They just kill a guy. Oh wow! And they have to try to like, <laughs> and and the guys that, it for me it made it better. Yeah, because it's, it's like, kind of funny. Not, and and the guys that uh, you know the acting troupe who plays the zombies are all like these ex-military guys and they take this shit way seriously. So now these fuck ups are having to fight these guys that yeah. know what they're doing. Wow. Yeah. yeah anyway, all right. It looks it, it looks fun. Yeah, it shows up on Netflix. I'm in. Uh, Hold the Dark, net, speaking of Netflix, this is uh, directed by Jeremy Saulnier, who did Green Room. Yeah. And um, talk about marauding wolves. This looks really fucking cool. It does look cool. It's Netflix. It stars the guy, the the black guy from uh, Westworld. Yes. It, it's, it's got, it definitely has a Twin Peaks mm-hmm. feel to it. There's this little small village... I don't know where it is. I'm assuming Alaska or someplace like it's. You're way out in the boonies. Yeah. And this lady's son gets taken by a pack of wolves. She is wanting to get the damn wolf that get the dingo that ate her baby. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it leads into this entire world of like, there's a whole lot more going on here. I'm wondering if it, if we end up at werewolves. Maybe. Yeah. There's there's definitely monstery looking something. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm and, in. And at the very least, a village of people who, um, you know, there's some kind of conspiracy or something going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It looks cool. Yeah, I'm in. It looks and and the cinematography looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the new thing. Like, um, 
murder mysteries in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, up next, In Like Flynn, a narrow Flynn bio directed by Highlander's Russell Mulcahy. Yeah, I don't know how accurate this is, but I'm such a sucker for old Hollywood that yeah, I'm yeah. all over it. Basically, the idea is that Errol Flynn was an adventurer in real Which life. Which he was. Right. And and, and it's kind of like, you know, like if you do... I, I want to see a biopic of Marion C. Cooper. Yeah. You know, the guy who made King Kong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he was an adventurer in real life. And and this looks like that to be that kind of a thing. Um, this looks incredibly fun. Um, I'm 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 sold. Like uh, this is something I want to go to the theater and see. Right on. Let's see. Uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins, Emma Thompson in an adaptation, like a modernized adaptation of King Lear. Yeah. When I first saw the trailer, I couldn't decide if it was like, you know, 50 years ago. But I don't think it is. I think it's it's mm-hmm. all contemporary. Looks pretty contemporary to me. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, using the Shakespearean dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Hopkins has done that before with uh, Titus. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, I, it looks great. I mean, if you're a Shakespeare fan, this. I'm is, in. Yeah. I, I'm still waiting to see the Coriolanus. Coriolanus. The it was the Ray Fines. It was really small. Yeah, anyway, never mind. I don't know. Uh, I didn't. This almost got cut. A Land of Steady Habits, Netflix film about a divorced man and a son, and his son trying to find their way after a divorce. Yeah. Um. You know, very definitely a character-driven piece. Yeah, he's a super sad sack. Like he ends up on bro- breaking into his back into his home where his wife is living, yeah. where with her new family, and he's he's clearly not navigating the new waters. Yeah, well, um, uh, sad, mm-hmm. engaging, interesting, something that people of a certain age I think can identify with. Yeah. Um, uh, on a couple of different levels, the 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 complicated relationship with his son. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that uh, who, we're going to see him again. I don't I don't know the actor's name. Steve from Stranger Things is in there as well. Right. Um, uh, it looks cool. I, yeah. It, 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 it surprised me. Yeah. At the end of the trailer, I was like, I've watched that. Well, his description of the spider web uh-huh. and how and how <laughs> your importance in life is based on yeah. this web of things that you have, and how when that's taken away. Yeah. The web still gets built, but yeah. you're not the center of the web. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, lost child. A female soldier returns home, encounters a weird kid. Yeah. Or so my notes. This is t- <laughs> <laughs> this is taking place in the Ozarks. Yeah. Um, the music and its location and where I grew up and all of that, I, I'm I, it was I'm kind of so like, there. It looks like kind of a an alien base or some supernatural base winter's bone. Yeah, so the, the idea is that um, in in these backwoods people's mm, mythology there is this practice of taking a child out to the woods and leaving them there. If they're weird or yeah, odd. I, and or I can't, yeah, I don't know why, yeah. what the the original purpose is, but the idea is when you run into this kid, you don't bring him home. Yeah. Because 
And that's she exactly what that's she what exactly what she does, yeah, and yeah. Uh, things start to go sideways. Yeah, it, and this looks good. It looks like a different kind of horror film. Yeah, so I'm kind of in. Yeah, totally. Um, There's a great shot where he's like standing in the corner in the dark, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Do you believe in monsters?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh!" <laughs> uh, more Netflix. The Outlaw King. Chris Pine pl- is Robert the Bruce. Um. So. I'm kind of, I kind of, I've, I, you know, because of Game of Thrones, because of everything after Braveheart, I'm kind of burnt out on this stuff. Yeah, me too. Vikings mm-hmm. and 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 there's been so many, and and don't get me wrong, they've all been good. Yeah. Uh, and this looks good. And this looks fantastic. I'm just, I, I just I'm kind of, yeah, kind of uh, don't care. Like I've seen enough of these guys, but it is a, it is a great, a great story. It's what happens after. William Wallace gets killed, mm-hmm. and you know, and we see it for like a second at the end of Braveheart. It, that you know, uh, Robert the Bruce is the one who then goes and right. unify. It basically does what William Wallace was trying to do mm-hmm. all that time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if this is if this is still in if your this is your jam. Yeah, if this is still in your bag, this looks fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, movie called Possum. What I'm going to call... It reminded me of The Woodsman. Like, some guy with a clear path that I'm guessing is pedophilic um, returns home and a kid disappears in the neighborhood. And, yeah, of course, all eyes turn to him. It's, but it it's weirder than that. It's different. It's difficult to tell um, what exactly... That's my... Uh, what exactly is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some... There are some images that make you think that something supernatural is going on. I don't think anything yeah, is. It's I, think very, it's, I think it's very abstract. And, yeah. yeah. It's very intriguing. What I'm seeing in the trailer is intriguing. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's a great... that He's reciting that great poem throughout the trailer, which is really cool. Right. The possum. Um, so anyway, that, that looks cool. Uh, next, a comedy called Slice from the producer of, of Stranger Things. Uh, it's a pizza place. Sits at the... At the Mouth of Hell. Yes. Um, so, apparently there's a werewolf, there's... This reminds me of a thing. Years ago, I talked to Adam Green, and Adam Green was talking about this idea he had that was set in a pizza parlor. Uh-huh. And I looked all over this, and I couldn't find his name anywhere. Uh-huh. Uh, but well, it, it sounds like this. Stranger Things, Stranger Things fans are going to love this because of that same actor that I mentioned a minute ago. Yeah. Um, he's, I think, the main one of the main people in it. Um, uh, it has a very '80s John mm-hmm. Carpenter type soundtrack. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it looks, it looks very cool. I mean, it's, you know, I, it's not going to win any awards, I don't think, but it has the potential to to become one. It's of It's a goofy horror band. comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you like things like Suck and. Oh, you know. dude, that love sucks. Suck was a good movie. Yeah, it's a cool movie. Not yeah. a lot of people have seen no. it. Uh, and then finally, um, they released a trailer for Suspiria. Yeah. Um, and all these months, I've been kind of railing against mm-hmm. seeing it because I love the original so much. Yeah. I might see this. Uh, it looks cool. Here's my notes. This is a lot of things. What it's not is Suspiria. It's Suspiria, exactly. <laughs> Which means... And this is what gets me interested in it. Means that I'm, it might be okay with it because mm-hmm. it's not you trying to redo the same thing. Right. 
Um, yeah, agreed. I walk away from it feeling the same way, going like, all right, let's do it. This, I'm, looks, I'm, I'm this good. looks solid. Thank God you're not trying to replicate what was done before. Right. You know. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll see it. Right on. Yeah. Uh, what we've been watching... What have you been watching? Nothing. Me neither. Yeah, I've been... Absolutely. I, I, dude, this is the worst season for me to, like, watch anything because it's it's all bonus material or bleeding hand or work or sleep. Yeah. Those are kind of my... I uh, uh, started this fall cleaning project in my home, and yeah. it's taken me... I'm doing nothing but just going through boxes and finding the weirdest shit from my past. Well, it's, it's, it's great. You know, it's very cathartic and, and uh, yeah. to, to, like, do stuff like that. It it's cathartic fun. sometimes to, like, get rid of this, like, holy crap. Why like, am I holding on to this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I found stuff, like, the, one of the first vacations my, my wife and I took when we were dating was to L.A., where we went to, uh, in four days, Disneyland, Magic Mountain, Knott's Berry Farm, and Raging Waters, and I found all of the programs. They Still. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 30 years ago. Sure, sure. Awesome stuff. Uh, what are you reading? Um, Agony House. Sherry Priest's oh, good. Uh, young adult awesome. uh, thing. Gee, yeah, I hope there's a reason for that. And it's good. I hope there's a reason for that too, <laughs> um, Tom. I really yeah. do. Uh, I, I read Brahms the Child Thief, and it's awesome. <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> Fucking awesome. It's so good. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, there's so much I want to say about it, but yeah, it's it's if you half enjoyed the Brahm interview, check out these this guy's books. They're they're good, top man. flight. Yeah. Um, heard anything good? And we're getting out of here. Uh, no, like I, much like watching something. Like I just I just haven't had the time. And, right. And, and uh, but but I promise next week. I'll come with some weird-ass thing that uh-huh. I have. I actually have some fun stuff. Number one, um, fell into a hole with this group, Japanese Breakfast. Airy, I, I, it's airy-fairy music. It's very much like Cranberries, Sundays, and I talked about last week. But I'm a big fan of these guys now. Uh, more Shin Jung Hyun, the Korean surf guitar master. Okay. Pop tunes from the 70s by a Korean guy from Korea. Awesome. Um, girl, I, I, I know, turned me on to a g- group, um, Shannon and the Clams. Yeah. They're great. The uh, record's called uh, Onions. It was, it, we talked about it briefly last week, I think. No, I don't think so. I think Brom mentioned them. Did he? Shannon I think the so. Clans? Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. great. I'm pretty sure. They're great. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna, There's a band called Dance with the Dead. The, the, group, the, the record's called Loved to Death. It's like 80s. Dude, I love, I love that band. Do you? Yeah, Dance with the Dead is great. Uh, let's see. There is a new Pokey Lafarge called Manic Revelations. Pokey Lafarge is a guy, he does that heavy backbeated 30s jazzy, you know, sure. whatever. This record is completely different. It's like, it's almost like he's aging in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. Where the one record is very 40s, this is very 50s. Sure. Sort of I, wonder if that's, I wonder if that's intentional or if that's just know. the way it's working out. It's it's good. Yeah. I mean, I really like Pokey Lafarge. Um, winding up with, just, let's see, soundtrack to Mile 22. It's generic soundtrack music. And two recommendations. Michael E. has a record called A Pleasant Interlude. And Adam Fielding's Mesmera. Both ambient, 
boat, super chill, great for like late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't need we don't care about the comedy. Next week, I've already got it confirmed. Author Elizabeth Massey. Bam. Doom. If you if you do nothing else this week, go find a copy of her story abed. Um, or go on YouTube. You can find Ryan Lieske's L I E S K E. He directed a version of a bed that was produced by the dearly departed Phil Nutman. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, and it's yeah, one yeah. of the creepiest stories I've ever read. I'm a big fan. And uh, Beth is an awesome, awesome writer. So that's all. Aw- that's good. Yep. Um, can I say awesome anymore? Uh, please go to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash bonus material. A lot of stuff coming up for that stuff. Uh, and also, please, our Facebook page. I hope I hope that by next week's show, I, I have some confirmations on some things that I can share in reference to Bleeding Hand. Nice. So, Excellent. I'm, I'm waiting. I, uh, I'm sitting... The new book is out. Uh, my new book is out, String of Pearls. I'm waiting on a review. Supposedly a review from Dread Central is coming. Um, the other one, the sequel to the zombie book, Don't Look Back, is in editing right now. And I'm w- in editing right now, and I'm waiting. When I get that back, I'll make those changes, and then we'll get it out as fast as possible. Artwork by Lana J. West. Yay! Other than that, we're having a hell of a time. Yeah, we are. Um, good stuff coming up, too. Yeah. Uh, looks like November is... Nope. <laughs> it's going to be returning guest month. Returning guest month. All month, what we're going to do is we're going to bring back people from the past. We always talk like about, hey, we're going to have you back, and we kind of never do. Yeah. Um, so we're bringing a bunch of really cool people back. Yeah. Phil Mucci, John Dodds. <laughs> <laughs> now we can't remember. There was somebody else. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, oh, and Nick Gucker. Oh, dude, yeah. Nick Ecker, I had to go yeah. check the schedule. Um, Nick Ecker coming back. And we also have, it, it not happening in November, but we also have Paul Komoda coming back to do a, a special show. Two weeks we have Paul yeah. Komoda coming back to do a special show. we got a ton of stuff coming that, up. That, great stuff. Good stuff. Thank thanks you, for, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. For the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scared.